This podcast is brought to you by Laterno University. Laterno University is the Christian polytechnic university in the nation where educators engage students to nurture Christian virtue, develop competency and ingenuity in their professional fields, integrate faith and work, and serve the local and global community. Laterno offers more than 140 undergraduate and graduate degree programs across a range of disciplines and delivery models at Laterno's residential campus in Longview, Texas, and in hybrid and fully online options at centers in the Dallas and Houston areas. Online at letu.edu. That's letu.edu. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number for him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our 9 to 5. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we bring again a challenge to change your world. And how are we going to do it? With biblical truth. How about the truths found in Scripture but presented in a way that Christ followers and non-Christ followers alike will adopt these changes. We're talking about transformational leadership. You can find out more about it online at transformlead.com. That's transformlead.com. We've got with us in studio this afternoon, as we are in Cincinnati, Ohio, you won't recognize their accent as being a Cincinnati accent. You might recognize something from down under. We've got Hugh and Jane Marquis. They are here from Melbourne, right? Isn't that where it is? Melbourne, Australia. And you guys, well, we're going to let, we're going to let them tell you their story. And Hugh, Jane asked that you go first. So why don't you tell us, first of all, Hugh, how did you become a Christ follower? Well, it's an interesting concept. I I was brought up actually in a non-Christian family. Okay. And uh, uh, so there was never any talk around our table, anything about Christ, just nothing. So it was a blank, it was void. And uh, my first experience actually was I was chasing a girl as you do but she said if you want to go with go out with me you need to come to church so i went to church with her it was a crc church and i thought well that's a little bit strange uh they were you know clapping worshiping i didn't know what that meant because i had no experience on it whilst in the church though i heard these words you will build businesses that will change the world and bring many to me it scared the pants out of me i had no you heard that was it wasn't something that the preacher said no you no, heard they, it as you walked through. Yeah, they were still singing and arms in the air and clapping and, you know, just this great noise going on. And I heard those words. What were those th- words again? You will build businesses that will change the world and bring many to me. So it scared me. I, I had no idea. I had no framework to put that in. I had no understanding up or down of what that actually meant. But I actually didn't become a Christian, didn't become the, to know Christ for another 13 years after that. And it, it actually came, we were involved in a multi-level marketing business. And my, my brother, who was, had been part of the sponsorship team, and we were building a business, he invited us to go to a Sunday morning service. They had a family, family meetings, or meetings around the country, but people had come in. So a Sunday morning service, they invited us to go to. So both Jane and I were there. We were already married at that stage. And I said, yeah, look, I really don't need, need that. 
And he said the one thing to me that probably could have got us there, and he said, well, all the leaders are going to be there. So we went along on this Sunday morning. We listened to their stories. We listened to their love for Jesus, and that was fantastic. You know, it was really good. It was really interesting. And then they came to a time, they, they did a thing called an altar call. Again, no frame of reference, didn't understand what it was. And they said, if, you, you know, if your um, palms are sweaty and if your heart's beating, and you know, the Lord's calling you. Well, my palms were sweaty. My heart was trying to jump out of my chest. But we left the building. And we, I said, no, that's not for me. And I left. We both left. Six months later... Um, there was another one of these gatherings. My brother said, come again. We were prepared for it. We found we, we um, said we will sit right up the back, right by the exit door, because I wanted to hear the stories, but I knew that they would do this thing called the altar call. Well, they did do the thing called the altar call, and my palms were sweaty, my heart was beating, and I went to leave. And the next thing I know is I found myself at the front of the auditorium, surrendering my life to the Lord. Jane, you just add your part in there. Yeah, go ahead, Jean, tell us. Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, the first meeting we went to, same thing, I had the same experience with the the sweaty palms and the pumping pumping heart right. and got really scared, didn't know what it was, so decided, yeah, we left. Six months later, we came, went back to a different meeting, but same sort of church environment and yeah again we knew well so this time we knew what was going to happen so um yeah we were ready to leave and all of a sudden I just find myself at the front of the of the of the um place we're in standing there and I had no idea why I was there but I all I did know was that I'd been picked up physically picked out up out of my chair by a per, by something I didn't, didn't see it you almost felt like you got kicked out of your chair yeah well pick and picked up picked up okay and taken to the front and I looked to my left and there was Hugh standing there as well and you know by that stage it was like well we're here what do we do like so we just said okay jesus this is what you want and you know we gave our hearts to jesus then so and and from that time though then for the next lots for the while that we're still involved in it on the sunday mornings we would lead the sunday morning services you would what we would lead the services. you would lead the services yeah so so you guys were already in business at that point in time right yeah okay yeah so Talk to me then about how your faith impacted your business. Because you, 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 you hadn't grown up in the church, so you hadn't been told that, hey, business and church were, were separate. So you were naturally inclined to incorporate your faith into your work. Mm. What did that look like? What, what kind of businesses were you guys running? Back then, uh, we were mainly building the multi-level marketing business. Okay. Uh, we were trying to make ends meet. So we're doing a cleaning round and we were doing a bunch of stuff just to make ends meet at the time. The, the, the interesting thing from that though is that we found Jesus and then we would go to services and I felt oh, I really need to be a pastor I really need to go in and you know serve God that way and that's what I thought we needed to do but every time I tried to do that he would take us back out 
to continue to run businesses. Sure. <coughs> well, because so, God had said yeah. to you earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we would run businesses that would change the world. So I'd actually tried walking a little bit away from that. Because as you went into a church environment, we were told church and business were a bit different. We knew that they were actually together. We knew that uh, that they were designed designed to be together. You know, the, the, the interesting thing from it, though, is that I would like to say that becoming Christ follower, everything became really easy, but that wasn't the truth. No, everything got harder. Everything got a lot harder. <laughs> it got more, more complicated, more stuff. But yeah. So, <coughs> Jane, did you guys already have kids when you guys became Christ followers? Yeah. You did. And how many kids do you guys have now? Three. You have three kids. So how did the, your kids respond to the fact that you guys gave your lives to Jesus? Well, they, were, they were young. Okay. Very young, and it just was a natural natural progression for them it was like oh we're going to church oh okay <laughs> so how did you see your role jane as you saw he, you the both the lord drew you both together to the front of that uh the, that altar to give your lives to christ you guys are running these businesses you're doing the multi-level thing and you, and but god is calling on you how did you see him working on your life to to draw to, to become more like christ what, what was the biggest thing that you noticed right away uh well, the biggest thing would, would, for me was that, you know, I, f- I felt I was searching for something. Sure. And there was always like a void or something was, you know, could never fill that, that gap. And it was like when I accepted Christ, I felt that void being full, being mm, filled. Nice. Um, but, yeah, it, but it didn't come with... Um, it still came with challenges and and you know all the problems that still come along with life and um but it obviously having God in your life it was there was someone you could turn to and you know there was a faith that you could hold on to that um you know God's in my life so <laughs> this has you know this is going to turn around and so fast forward today Hugh to you guys have since run multiple businesses. The Lord has used you in a lot of ways, and you're at this. You're in this transition time mm-hmm. where the, the, you're just really trying to figure out. Well, you, you've, I think you've got to figure it out. What's next for Hugh and Jane Marcus? Yeah, well, let, let me just backstep a little bit. Yeah, we, we, the Lord gave us a vision for building a business in the IT services, and He gave us a game plan exactly what we needed to do, and we followed, built that business, and became a very successful business in Australia. Um, the every step was laid out and we've been asked how did you build a business to that success in that short of time and it became really simple for us because we prayed if god said do it we did it another story of a couple whose lives have been impacted by jesus in business and now transformational leadership we've got hugh and jane marquis they are christ followers from melbourne Australia. And they've got a story I want you to hear. Hugh, right before the break, you were talking about how you took this IT business and it, it grew amazingly fast yep. and was amazingly successful. And people are asking you, how in the world did you do that? Yep. It was one of those things. We would pray. And if Jesus said, do it, we did it. If he didn't say, we didn't. It became really simple. And people said, oh, there's got to be more details. There's got to be blueprints. There's got to be a strategy. There's got to be stuff. And I said, sorry, sorry, I forgot. There is all that detail as well. 
The detail is, when we prayed, and if Jesus said do it, we did it. If he didn't, we didn't. We weren't brilliant or anything. We were good at following Jesus' direction. We were good at following what he asked us to do. Um, so and we, Jane, were you, were you, you guys were praying together through all these decisions? Not, not all of them, but because he would always sometimes be in the office and I wasn't there and he'd, you know, he'd be praying. And I was doing um, some of the work at home because I, we had little kids. So, sure. You know. Also. So, Hugh, then take it to the next level. So, you know, we built the business out and that was great. But then the Lord, so in the time of building the business, we also went down the path. Jane um, started our own foundation. It was a foundation fighting human trafficking. It was a thing that she was called to do. And it was centered a lot around Cambodia and places in Cambodia. Uh, I, after a while, I went to Cambodia. Um, the Lord had said to Jane that Hugh needs to go to Cambodia and... Well, you tell that bit, Jane. <laughs> so the Lord really called you to Cambodia. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He said, "I want you to go," and I, okay. So I went, and uh, so I went on a, a like a missions trip. Really, our church did them at that time and took groups of people. And you know, I was I was very impacted. I didn't know why I was going. I I didn't really have a. It wasn't on my heart to go, but God, I sort of was. Yeah. Okay, God, you want me to go, and I was really impacted, and and I just f- actually fell in love with the country and the people. When I was there, God said to me, "Hugh needs to come. He needs to experience this." And I said, "That's nice, but I'm not going to tell him." <laughs> and but I I didn't get out of that one. I had to tell him. So um, I did. I told Hugh and what God had told me. In, in Cambodia, and I just left it up to to Hugh and God then to sort it out. I did my part. <laughs> yeah. So, Hugh, how did all of that impact how you guys did business? Your faith obviously was intersecting and intertwining all throughout what you were doing. Absolutely, every step of the way. When Jane said that, I, I felt I, I really didn't have a social bone in my body. I didn't understand a lot of the stuff there. What I did know was how to build a business. So I kept, I said, that's fine, I need to build a business. So God has a plan and sometimes he'll allow things to happen in your world so that you actually start coming back to his plan. And he did to me. He allowed for me to go through a bit of a identity crisis, a, sure. bit, of, a bit of a challenge, even whilst we're building a successful business. He allowed that to happen and I had to come to a realization that then our pastor was going to Cambodia and I I'm one of these guys that for our pastors, I'll say, can I carry your bags? I want to experience, I want to see things, I want to do stuff. He said, sure. We went to Cambodia to help uh, a pastor over there and to help some business guys. Really, the business guys weren't really business guys. They were small little microfinance things. But anyway, we did that. We were there for four days and uh, and we'd been to the killing fields. We saw some of the death and the destruction and a nation that had been destroyed. And... um, as we were leaving, we're at the airport, and there's this young boy, somewhere between, I don't know, 8 and 12, really can't put a figure on, and he's standing there, he wasn't begging, he wasn't trying to take my bags, nothing, he was just standing there. I've looked into his eyes, and there's these deep, dark pits, and I said, Lord, what do you, we, we, we've been here for all this time, nothing remarkable, and what do you want to do, do with that? And the Lord came back, and it's the second time I've heard his voice, audible voice, and he said, I want you to bring hope to the nations. 
it just stopped me in the track. It just stopped me. I uttered some words. My pastor said, what just happened? I explained to him and he went, that sounds about right. And so I, I felt that all of our business, all of the stuff that we were doing in business was leading to those things. If, that The recognition that if we can help heal businesses, we can help heal the world. Why do you say that? <clears throat> well, business, as the world knows it, has been based on greed, fear and corruption. And it, it, it's someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. And it's this whole competitive thing. And I don't think that's the way that God actually views business. I think that he views business his way, which is about caring, sharing and prosperity for all. And I think he wants to see a change in business. He wants to see where we're elevating, lifting people up, supporting, coming around people and, and bringing wins to the table but by everybody winning. Jane, what about you? Mm-hmm. How, how did <clears throat> when the Lord started speaking to Hugh about you know bringing hope to the nations? He comes back from his Cambodia trip. How excited were you to hear that Hugh now got to experience what you got to experience? Oh, yeah, I was I was very excited. I um, it sort of it brought a softer side out in Hugh. Um, it sort of made him more, I guess, um, I don't know, it, not that he wasn't a, approachable or anything like that, but it just it just made him more um, in touch with, with um, other sort of countries and communities that aren't sort of doing things as well. You sure. Know? <laughs> like there are people out there that live in very destitute yeah. It's terrible, but I always say that you know if you can get if you can get a Christ following business person into a third world country or developing nation, as I like to be called today, that is the perspective that every Christ following business person needs to have because of that transformational experience that you got to experience. Yep. I mean, it, it, it changes everything. Mm. Yep. I mean, Jane, you got to experience it, and you convinced Hugh to go back. Well, actually, you were praying for Hugh to go back, weren't you? Yeah. You, yeah, you were praying for him to go. I knew that. There was always <laughs> pray, the, the powerful prayer of a, of a <laughs> wife. That's you, you have no hope against that at all. That's right. How has your business tree then morphed to support uh, ending human trafficking? What, what have you guys gotten involved in that's been fighting that? Well, so we started our own foundation. It was called Stop Start. And then we were involved by... In Stop what, Start? Stop Start. Okay. Stop the traffic, start a new life. Got it. It was a name that uh, was given to Jane in a dream when she was flying back from Cambodia one night. Mm. Um, now it's in every car. If you think about the start but Stop Start button in a car. Sure. We should probably get a paint and some royalties back for slavery on that, fighting slavery on that or something. I don't know. Um, Good luck with that. <laughs> but uh, so from that time, it was it was a change of my heart, as Jane said. But it was bringing compassion back and understanding how God felt about countries and how he his heart for nations, his heart for seeing everybody come to the Lord. It doesn't matter whether it's a developing world or whether it's a Western world or, or whatever. So um, we were involved in that and then we started doing other projects in Cambodia. We got involved with other organizations and we ended up forming some business groups that uh, wanted to build businesses that were just honorable, honoring and built with integrity. And we've been involved in building, well, we've still got a forestry business in Cambodia. 
where we're teaching them to create and build new wow. forests. So we're building a new forestry industry there. Okay. But it's built with teaching and training, equipping locals to do an industry they haven't had. And are uh, you pulling people out of sex trafficking and, and giving them jobs, or how does that work? We, we did that the in. We started a, a manufacturing plant in Cambodia, and there's a whole bunch of stories behind that. And that was exactly its motto, that we were bringing people out of the sex trade industry. We were retraining and reskilling. What we learnt from that was we were fighting a battle downstream. We were trying to pluck the fish out downstream and worked out that we needed to go upstream and create um, ventures or businesses or things that would create a financial difference upstream so people Mm -hmm. weren't even being put into trafficking. Because the rescuing part... Whilst it's nice, you actually need to stop it before it gets yeah. there. Sure, because the damage is so incredible. Yeah, you don't want them to go through that traumatic experience, and if they don't have to, right? So, so in looking at a business model, it's actually turning it on its head and saying, "Okay, let's build businesses that are comparing compassion, that are compassionate about people, that people are more important, that you know, that they're a strong financial model." Yeah. But they're building into people all the way through. So communities that um, in the past their children were at risk because they didn't have financial stability. Well, what can you build in those communities that builds that financial stability that adds back into their world? What, what can you build that changes it? And when you're asking those sorts of questions, it's, it's opportunity thinking. We've got Hugh and Jane Marquis. They're from Australia. They're up here in Cincinnati, Ohio with Martha and I and many others, including Ford Taylor, the founder of Transformational Leadership. And they're going through training so they can bring back transformational leadership to Australia. You can find out more about how you can bring transformational leadership into your country, whatever that is, your local company, your local organization, your church, whatever it may be transformlead.com that's transformlead.com all right hugh and jane we're sitting here in cincinnati you've been uh, going the last couple days to transformational leadership but you this is how many times have you guys been exposed to the transformational leadership training jane this is our third your third third time okay jane the first time you went through what was it that you walked away with that was the biggest aha moment when you went through transformational leadership i think the biggest thing was, um, well, Ford, the the guy that... Ford Taylor. Ford Taylor. The fact that his story is tra- so trans transformational yeah. and and um, so he's so open and I, I just felt that the, the whole, um, his whole um, leadership training is, is, is that. It just helps people be transparent and transformational and it was I, I loved it because it was it was so different from anything else and what, what part of the world were you in when you heard the, this transformational leadership for the first time we're in cape town in cape town south, south africa. africa okay yeah hugh what about you first time you went through it, what was your what was your biggest takeaway well we we were actually at the uh European Economic Summit. And what it was was a a group, there was about 50 people together trying to come up with economic models to help change Africa. And so it was a pretty significant group of people, government leaders, stuff like that were there and we were humbled to be invited to. When they announced, I hadn't met Ford yet, when they announced that he was going to come and do some leadership training into the group and they were just introducing him up, I thought, I'm just going to go and check some emails. Because... I've been through with our businesses, leadership training and stuff around. And 
I've never found anything... I've sort of been left flat at the end of most leadership training you've gotten. There hasn't been anything you could implement, anything you could put in place. Ford started speaking and I was totally arrested by what he was saying. I was arrested by his transparency. I was arrested by his vulnerability. But I was arrested by the truth that he was talking. It it just stopped me. Mm -hmm. I stopped put my phone down, didn't check emails, and stayed right through the sessions taking copious notes. Saying, I've got to, because I hadn't met Ford, I need to meet him, I need to be introduced. Jane's going, see, see, she's nudging me, because she'd met Ford the day before. Oh, you were doing the whole uh, wife elbow thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I met, yeah, I met um, Ford the day before, and as I was, we actually went for a walk, and we were just talking about, you know, life and family, and, and I just felt that his story was it was like our story in a way, and I just felt that God, he that Ford would would be a great person for Hugh to meet. Not you know we were going to meet him anyway, but I loved his story, and I thought Hugh would love his story as well. And and so I'm sitting there with my my lens on, saying I'm told to bring hope to the nations by helping them build. Uh, bring hope to the nations by helping people achieve their God-given potential. I'm looking at what Ford is teaching. I'm going, this is one of those missing links. This is one of those pieces exactly. that I have. That it's like, where has this been? I, you know, I was It's been written for thousands <laughs> of years, but nobody ever, nobody ever presented it that way. That's right. That's right. And it was just, mm-hmm. yes, that we need this. So yeah. what caused you to go to the second? Go ahead, Jane. You were going to say something. I was just, yeah, we, we've had... Um, Feelings, oh, and sort of, I guess, prophetic words are that we would go into boardrooms um, and go in with an agenda that the pet, like being invited into a boardroom to present well, I think a leadership program, but with um, with an agenda that was different to. The, the agenda that were the pe- the people that were inviting us into, right? So. But then I was like, this prophetic word wasn't given to us that long ago, and I was sort of struggling with the idea. Well, how we how are we going to do that? Like, do we need to come up and reinvent something? Or, um, but then when I when we came across Ford stuff, I thought this is this is it. Like, this is what we can use to go into boardrooms, and you know, with that. Um, hidden, I guess a hidden agenda in a way. To <laughs> well, and it's not like it's subversive. It's no. <laughs> it's powerful. Yet yeah. if people knew it was biblical at the beginning, they would automatically be shut off to it. Yeah. But because the truth yeah. is the truth, it has such power. So, Hugh, what caused you to go the second time? What caused you and Jane to go back again? Our history has shown that we will chase down people that we feel we need to be involved with or need to be searching out or getting information. It happened with our pastor. It's happened with people that we've had the privilege of traveling around the world with and being able to minister with or being able to share in business. Uh, Jane and I felt that this was a significant key. So we rang forward and said, where can we be? What can we do? As it, as it turned out, the, the next TL that we went to was one that he, he did for um, the Iris, Iris Global. He came in and did for the whole group at Iris, and it was really quite phenomenal. It was just... Um, what part of the world was that in? 
I was actually in California. Okay. So we, we flew over. It was in January of this year. We flew over from Australia to sit and spend time again, again, to immerse ourselves in the experience and to see if it was the same the second time through. We wanted to make sure that it was real. Sure. That it wasn't just this aberration. And we wanted to know, and it was better the second time through. So now you're going through the third time, but you guys have made a decision pretty significant about transformational leadership. What's that decision? Jane, you start off. Your perspective. What, what have you guys decided to do with this? Well, we actually well, obviously want to become facilitators and... Um, so and yeah, take it back into Australia and and, and transform businesses in in Australia and and big companies and corporate companies and and really and even the smaller people, you know, the smaller companies and the we just feel like it's a it's a real tool sure. for us. Hugh, what about I mean, you're you're a business guy. You're always thinking business planning. What? I mean, well, I would say, you know, for Jane and I, we looked and said, this is a way that we can help businesses grow from $100,000 a year to $100 million a year in turnover because they're going to have the right tools, the right leadership, the right equipment to be able to take them through those stages. Now, I'll say for very selfish things, I understand tithe, giving and finances. We want to change and raise finances for the kingdom. Well, how better to do that than take a business from a small beginning to a very large business? Right. And I believe that one of the very significant keys is transformational leadership. Okay, so let's talk about specifics. Things that you guys have taken away that you are, that, that you would think are principles that business people in Australia really need to learn. Well, what's one of them, Hugh? You give me one thing that you've taken away from transformational leadership that you know will transform companies. People are more important. Come on, give me more than that. It's a radio show. I, yeah, I can't see your show. face. His face is saying everything, <laughs> but I want him to communicate it. People, well, one of the, the key things that I've learned through the transformational leadership, it was something we did innately in our company, and I didn't understand why other companies didn't do it. But it's the valuing of people, the valuing of people, the valuing of relationships. Uh, whereas a lot of companies, they're profit-driven. A lot of American companies, written in their constitution, it says you will bring value to shareholders, whereas I believe that God's view on business is that if you treat people well, the profits look after themselves. And that's, what, that's one of the great takeaways I've got from transformational leadership, that they're valuing the people, they're helping the people be who they need to be so they can excel in the workplace. Hmm. Jane, what about you? When you look at transformational leadership, all the things you've learned, what's one thing you think will change the face of business in Australia? Wow. <laughs> Um, there is a lot, but probably the, the probably the six step apology. Okay. Um, I think that can really, really change some things in businesses, and really help people. You know, just be, you know, more forgiving and and more accepting of people of of their team. Um. I think that's going to really help build teams in, in businesses. Yeah. Let's talk about you guys personally. How has transformational leadership impacted your marriage, Jane? Well, I, I mean, it has, it's, it's, helped, it's helped our marriage. It, I think it's helping probably to, to maybe highlight some of the things that we have to change in our marriage too. So. What's one thing you're working on to change in your marriage? 
I'm not going to ask you what Hugh should work on because we'll, <laughs> I know you already know, but we'll ask you that question. What's one thing you're working on to improve your marriage based on what you learned at Transformational Leadership? Um, probably go back you know, to that six-step apology and, and being able to um, do that myself. Hmm. Okay. Hugh, what about you? Yeah. How, how's this impact in your marriage and, and what is it that you've learned that you need to work on? first question that how's it impacted our marriage well for jane and i the our marriage is the cornerstone of everything if we're not looking after our marriage it doesn't matter how successful we are in business doesn't matter how successful um, other things are so the marriage has to come first and jane has to come first and foremost and that one of the things i, I learnt, have learned through this is that by my honoring jane and learning to work with her love languages rather than not working with them, but looking at her love languages, how do I serve her better by meeting her love languages? That, that actually really adds to our relationship. You know, most people are familiar with the love languages. But going, getting it put back in your face, looking at it, right. seeing it again, you go, well, is it different than what it was five years ago? Yeah. But as men, we can sit there and go, well, that's what it is. We're going to keep it that way rather than saying, has it changed? Has it evolved? So one of the things I've, I've picked up on it is that I've got to look at meeting Jane's needs better. Is transformational leadership, is there any organization you can think of that wouldn't benefit from going to transformational leadership? That's going to be a silent answer, no. no. It's just, no. Uh, uh, it, it would work if you're coaching kids in sport, it would work if you're um, in a small business, a medium business, a large business, it would work in a church organization, it will work in a city office, it will work in a big wealth fund, it would work across nations as well. So I can't see it. So it'll work in the U.S., it'll definitely work in Australia. Yeah. Because it's biblical principles. Yep. Hugh and Jane Marquis, thank you so much for being on iWorkFrame and sharing some of your story. I want Thank to hear you. stage two after this gets going. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Highlighting transformational leadership today. We're up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Martha has just finished going through the first couple of days of transformational leadership. It's one of those things that you learn and you keep learning and you go back and learn because it's transformational. <laughs> and we want to get her perspective. I know she hasn't been involved in a lot of the interviews we've done in the last several days here in Cincinnati. Wanted to make sure that you guys got to hear from her because I know you've missed her voice. Aww. Baby, tell me about your your what you expected versus what you've gotten um you know that's a good question i tried to come in somewhat without expectations because i think that's the safest way to go into any conference of any kind however i knew up front that um there were a lot of people that had told me that it was unlike anything i'd ever experienced before and, so is that delivered that that is very much delivered um and on top of that, it has, hmm, I think it's, it, there's just so much good to process, but um, they, they do such a great job of giving you ideas and applications that I think that's the difference. And one of the things that I'm anticipating still is at the end, um, setting us up with an action plan because they say, you know, if you don't start doing things with something that you learn within 48 hours, uh, the chances of you ever really implementing it are pretty small. So I think they've learned the lesson on what, what it really takes to transform a leader requires some follow-up. <laughs> right, you've, you've met, there's an incredible amount of uh, neat people oh, in the room word. that yes. are taking transformation leadership from all over Cincinnati, in fact, all over Ohio, in fact, all over the world, because Hugh and Jane, who we just interviewed, and some other Australia. states. Yeah, some other mm -hmm. states. So 
Talk to me about some of the conversations you've had with people about the impact it's making on them. Well, it could be as simple as the conversations around um, disciplining our children because we lead our children. And so learning some new tools and tactics that they can take home and apply in their marriage, apply in their own home, and then also um, to the workplace. And it could be as simple as I think the social covenant, I think, is something that um, I'm really intrigued by, which is all about um, sitting down in your group, whatever that group might be, and coming up with your agreed upon rules for that group. And, um, for and they provide you a social covenant, but they're saying you can modify that a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you modify it to what works for your group. For instance, um, Ford coached a volleyball team one time, and the girls on the team actually created a social covenant for their parents and said, if you yell at the coaches or the referees or us girls while we're playing volleyball, you have to leave for the rest of the game. And if you do that twice, you have to miss the next game. And then if you do it a third time, you're out for the season. <laughs> do you think the parents learned? That's hilarious. It w- the girls told him it was important to them. So taking it from any aspect, he's used coaching a lot, um, but in the office space, you know, we can kind of just relate to that because everybody has a different office environment, but you know, in sports, you can kind of relate to what he's talking about and then apply it from there. So I really like that concept of saying, you know, if you're late for meetings, then, you know, maybe we're going to, we're going to assign you with a, the worst task that we come up with. I don't know what it might be, but just to make it clear that as a group, you have certain things that you agree upon. And if you gossip or if you do, there's going to be consequences because without consequences, you don't ever move forward because you just keep repeating it over and over. Talk about the discussions at the table where you've got uh, Todd and Dora and you got Mabel. What are some of the things you're hearing them say about transformational leadership which by the way you can find out about more online at transformlead.com transformlead.com well i think we um we were joking a little bit about the whole idea of really taking serious our first impressions that we give that we make on people because it takes 20 more times with that person to potentially undo a bad first impression. That's something I know I need to work on. And um, realizing, you know, I go back, well, anyway, so we talked, <laughs> we talked about that and joked about that around the table just because I think it, all of us, we're, we're creating first impressions all the time. And if they're poor, that's, that's really a lot of work to undo it. Um, you know, we've, we've had so much, um, just conversation around how this, it's just real good truth and being able to apply it to our lives. And again, in the home and in work. So let's talk about that. Let's talk okay. about that. Let's talk about what, how, what, if, going through transformational leadership, what is one thing you're going to pull away from that you think is going to affect you personally? Um, okay. So he talks a lot. Well, I should say they, because it's all different people, but, um, there's this whole concept of when someone is angry, their brain shrinks, epinephrine kicks in, and you actually lose the ability to be very logical. And that makes sense, but we've never had it explained that way to us before. So one of the things that um, they really stress is be silent. If somebody's being angry, just be silent. And if they get angry, if they have more to say, be just sit and listen until that amount of that rant or whatever they're on gets shorter and less intense than you know that person's winding down. And then you can start to maybe have a conversation. But if you engage when someone is at the height of their anger and has this 
pea brain size head that there that he shows <laughs> on the on the uh, whiteboard, then Martha just actually, said I had a pea brain size. No, I know. Um, then the per- then me as the calm person, I can my brain could shrink because then I could start to get upset, and I may not be the one that's upset. So you become the smartest person in the room. When you don't respond to that anger. And he was applying it to a lot of the political and social injustice that we see. People get so angry about something that they do the most illogical things. And they make very, very poor choices that look really bad on media. Mm -hmm. And people are like, those people don't even know what they're doing. You're right, they don't. Because there is actually a reason their brain does not function well when they're just angry. All right. Something that you've gotten out of this that will apply to our marriage. Not not just what you just said there. So when I'm acting like an idiot, just you're going to be quiet now and let me be an idiot and then help me realize that I'm an idiot. So, okay. So what about for our marriage? What's what's one big, huge thing you pulled away for our marriage? Um, I agree with what Jane was saying about the six-step apology. Um, that takes going to take practice. Um, and, you know, somebody who becomes really good at it means they've had to practice it a lot. But I think that it's really... How come you look at me really, when you said that? Because we're the only two people looking at okay, each other right, right. now. So um, I, I just think it's a very valuable process that, that you go through. And also the thing of, instead of saying, Jim, I'd really like to thank you for taking me out to dinner. Don't like to actually do it because that's not really a thank you. I'm not affirming you by just saying I'd like to. You don't say that anyway. I'd like to thank you. You say thank me. But I love that whole concept. Again, it just makes so much sense. People stand on the stage with their Oscars or whatever. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my producer. Well, then sincerely just stop and say, Jim, thank you so much for bringing me to Cincinnati. This has just been fabulous and I I have a new love for this city. So I like that. That's good. So that that was a great great simple um change i think that helps talk about the impact on on the workplace what what do you see as how is transformational leadership going to transform the workplaces of america well absolutely without a doubt growing a team or an organization to have better uh relational um situations relational and transactional transactional, melding the two of those together any company can become more uh, successful, however they measure success, whether that's monetary or baby saved or, you know, whatever might be their goal, um, can become much better at that when the team is, is working in good unison. And he just gave example after example of, of ways that, you know, you could get rid of the highest performer, but, you know, everybody's got one of those in their company where they're like, they don't apply any of the rules to that person because they outsell everybody, but they're undercutting the price and they're cutting corners and they're promising things when they're, they're not hard able. To work for. And so they, you know, the example was if they won't buy into the, the culture that everybody else has agreed to, that social covenant and the other things we talked about, eliminating them in the short run, it can really, it can feel like it's going to hurt financially, but it raises everybody else's performance because they say, wow, if they were willing to make that sacrifice for the greater good of the company, then I'm being watched too. And I, I need my performance to be as good as possible. And it really sets the bar. When we know what our boundaries are, we live within them and can, we thrive. Can you imagine the organizations you've worked at in the past can you imagine bringing transformational leadership into those organizations? What would it look like? 
Um, I think it would just be amazing and exciting to see what that what the potential might have been. I hope that some of that, you know, there were some things that just resonated with me that made sense that I, I think I instilled as a manager, but there's never... Your people knew that you loved them. Oh, most definitely. And I affirmed them and, and um, things like that. But there's so much more. If you do things intentionally, um, how much greater the outcome can be from it. So, um, you know, we're just, we're just you and I, but hey, we can work together to, to make it even better based on the information that we've learned this week. All right. We've been talking about transformational leadership and it's been incredible. I want you to check it out online for your organization transformlead.com that's transformlead.com thanks to ford taylor who arranged all of these interviews we're so very very grateful Mm -hmm. you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim and martha brangenberg we're christ followers our workplace it's our mission field but ultimately i I work work for for him. him